Thank you, Dwayne. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and the last verse, familiar verse to you, verse number 15, talks about an inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. And then you're familiar with John 3:16. I know you know this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you come to that last verse in chapter 9, it's given some information from chapter 8 and chapter 9 that references a word called grace. And this gift is a gift of grace. A lot of theologians, uh, uh, the majority of theologians on this passage agree that personally this gift is Jesus Christ Himself. It's a gift of grace. And when you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul had instructed this church to prepare for an offering, considering the Macedonians owes of their generosity. It had been mentioned for a year to receive this offering, a preparation for it. But he says, and I hope you can identify with this in chapter 8 and verse number 1, that grace was given to us, chapter 8 and verse number 1. Grace was known in chapter 8 and verse number 9. It was demonstrated in verse 8 and uh, verse uh, 19, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 19, and is abounding in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and he also says, it's upon you. So five or six times he references the grace that is in you, upon you, abounding in you, and demonstrated in you. And he echoes in the closing of these two chapters that we ought to give thanks to God for this inexpressible, King James calls this an unspeakable gift that's been demonstrated and given to you. What a joy to think about that here in this Christmas season. Now, when you go into chapter 8 and chapter 9, there were gifts, many gifts, and they were offerings to be received. Every offering that is given to someone else is, is a gift to be received, and it is an expressible gift. Uh, it can be calculated as a gift. It can be identified as a gift. Uh, it can be uh, worked to be able to gather the income needed to purchase the gift. But it's a gift that can be expressed quite easily. It was just simply an offering. But when you come to verse 15 of chapter 9, it's a gift that can't be expressed. It's hard to be explained. It's indescribable. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's almost uh, can't be put into words. It's, 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 a, it's, it's an understanding that we can't gather in our minds and our thoughts about the, the, the awesomeness of this gift. And so, he expresses it to us this way by being an, ex, an inexpressible gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. Unlike all the gifts you're going to be giving and receiving this year or in the years past. Christmas gifts, uh, they're temporary, but the gift of Jesus is eternal. Christmas gifts are forgotten. If you would ask me what I got last year for Christmas, I don't have a clue. I don't remember or the year before. I don't, being honest. Uh, that's not because I don't appreciate it. I'm not thankful for them. I just don't remember. They've been, they're forgotten. But the gift of Jesus Christ is always remembered and is eternal. Uh, Christmas gifts lose their value, uh, but the gift of Jesus Christ has infinite value. Uh, Christmas gifts can be broken, uh, but Jesus always abounds and is working in and through us. 
Christmas gifts become used, but you'd never say that about the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that's fashioned, past, and wears out, always fresh and always new. Christmas gifts can be wasted, but Christ gives us the gain. Sometimes Christmas gifts can be unwanted, but when you receive Jesus Christ, it's a gift that's long and has been desired. Uh, Christmas gifts can be exchanged and even returned. I, I know nobody in here has ever received a Christmas gift and wrapped it back up and gave it to somebody else. Christmas gifts can be exchanged, and they can be returned. That's one place I don't want to go on the 26th December is the, is, 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 are the shopping areas because the, the lines are long to return the gifts. But there's one gift that's inexpressible. It's always kept and desired to be kept and is kept for you. Christmas gifts are affordable for the, by the person who purchased it, uh, but the gift of Jesus Christ is beyond value, invaluable. Christmas gifts will age and age out, but Christ Jesus, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I don't know if we can make any excuse this morning to try to come to an attempt to try to describe this gift, but I'm going to give my best effort just for a few minutes this morning how to describe these gifts that are given to us, this inexpressible gift of grace that's been given to us. John 3.16 says it to us, says it to us in the best way. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, here's your Christmas verse for this year. John 3.16. It's not only for today, but it's for every day. It's, it, it's the verse that you put in faith and in action when you came into God's family. It's the verse that's holding you together and offers you eternal and continue, keeps you in God's hand. You, you read the blessed book of John. Uh, uh, Rick brought us to 1 John. Boy, that's a passage there, those five chapters that, that give us the confidence that we have eternal life. Uh, that we can know it, especially in chapter number 5, verse 13. These things are written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. This is a verse for every day. This is a verse that will bring us home, a verse that's in our hearts. It describes to me this inexpressible gift, the greatest of any other passage in all of the Bible, and that is God gave by that a gift through Jesus Christ, His only Son. To receive it, you believe it, and have everlasting life, and it cancels the doomed life that we face as sinners. Now, let me see if I can explain the best I can this gift to you. Number one, it was an expressive gift. It uses the word begotten. Some translations leave that out. I'm not studied far enough as to why. Uh, uh, but I like that word begotten. It, it gives a good description to me about who is this Jesus? He's begotten. He, the word begotten gives us the idea he's out of the bosom of the Father God. He came out of God. You remember in chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to describe to us that Christ is that Word, the next couple verses, and it explains to us that that Word took upon flesh and came among us. 
He's out of the bosom of the Father. Philip wanted to know about meeting God. And, hey, hey, Phil, hey, son, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus even expressed one of the passages, I and my Father, we're the same. We are one. He, he's not necessarily from God. He's out of God. The express gift of God himself, I'll give you someone who's out of me, and he'll live among you and dwell among you. He'll be with you. He'll be your God. He'll be that Emmanuel to you. So he expressed this gift by giving us a demonstration, a picture, a realization of Jesus himself living on this earth. So he came. He came to us. This gift was an expressive gift. Number two, it was an expensive gift. It was an ex extensive gift, rather, an extensive gift coming to the world. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 is a good Christmas verse. When the fullness of time was come, can you see them Jews in those silent years waiting for this time to come? When the fullness of time was come, Galatians chapter 4, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. He extended it to the world. He came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, John chapter 3, verse number 13. John 6, 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. It extended all the way uh, from the glories of heaven down to the world. You see the reach down to the world, extensive. Number three, it was an expensive gift, his only son, his only. It was the death of a holy God, all out from the Father and in the Father came to us. Everything that he had was emptied through Jesus Christ to reveal the completeness of God found in Jesus that allowed us an entrance. The gift was a payment for mankind. Uh, Romans 6.23 talks about the gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is an inexpressible gift. Forgive me for trying to describe it a few minutes this morning. Extensive and expensive, his only son he gave for a purpose. Then it was an exclusive gift. It excluded something, and that is my death, that I would never, ever perish. John 3, 16. That when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never die. You'll never perish. Now, if I go back in my Bible a few pages, I see the promise that I will die. Because sin has been placed on me, born in sin, born in iniquity. I'm born a sinner, and the wages of my sin is death. And so that has been removed because of this gift given to me. That describes it. There is an exclusion. It involved everything to do with life, but it threw away the death. It excludes death. One restriction in this gift, you're never going to die eternally, a spiritual death. 
but live forever. And that's how it describes it, number five, as an expedient gift, giving us an everlasting life. Expedient because the word expedient means suitable for achieving a particular end or purpose. Not death. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God sent him. He gave him as a gift. Believe upon him and everlasting life will be given to you. John 1, 1 gives that to us again from the beginning. The whole Word of God. He is the Word. And I say this about the Bible. The Bible is just a road map to heaven. That's all it is. The Bible is God's Word to us, given to us, how man who is lost, condemned and doomed to die because of his sins, can have an exchange of eternal life by the work of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of this book that's been written to us. And it is expedient just for you today. It's got a purpose. It's got an end to be achieved in your life to fulfill that particular end. God's not willing that any man would perish, should not perish. That's the exclusion. But that all men would come to repentance. That's believing. That's his desire. That's his purpose. He gave in a gift with expedience, everlasting life. And then number six, it was an exhaustive gift, covered a whole lot of territory that whoever, whoever believes, covers everybody. It contains all you need in salvation, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the Bible, it says some things that remind us that that's all it is. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's inclusive of my faith and repentance Knowing I'm a sinner, I seek that forgiveness. I don't want that penalty. I recognize Christ paid that penalty for me, and I believe and call and receive, and I step with the faith He's given me because His Word. Faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. I often say this. I don't offend some people, but no one will ever get saved without hearing the Bible, the Word. They've got to have it. They've got to, well, what if they don't have the word where they're at? They don't get saved. They never come to a knowledge of their sins. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, the scripture says, it's impossible to please God. You have to believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's the word that perpetuates my search for forgiveness to be reconciled in a right standing with God. It's his word. But the scripture says, whoever. It's not by my works of righteousness, which I've done. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's not of my works, lest I get arrogant and boast about it, you see. It's a work that whoever believes, it's exhaustive. And it covers this one area of believing and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not my desire, myself, my relations, my standing, my membership, my communion, my baptism. It's simply whoever believes on him can have everlasting life. It's an extravagant gift because he gave us his son, finally, an extravagant gift. Extravagant because John 8, 12 said... That gift, when it's received, it gives you light. 
Romans chapter 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Ain't that a good gift? <laughs> That's extravagant. Peace with God. Oh, yeah. Chapter 5, verse 2 talks about there's joy in being justified by faith. We rejoice. Even in tribulation, we rejoice. It goes down in the next verse and talks a little further about having love. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. It gives us hope, Titus 2, verse number 11. It offers us eternal life. I'm telling you, when you get the gift of Jesus, which is inexpressible, hard to explain, but when you receive Christ and believe on, call upon Him, repent, and by faith trust Him, He gives you the extravagance of eternal life. And my, we'd have to hang around a good while to talk about that place. Man, we tiptoe through the Scriptures and see the splendors and the glories of heaven. We look forward to that blessed hope, Titus 2.13, and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We go to Romans 8.18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared, hallelujah, with the glory that shall be revealed in us. It's just beyond the other side. And I look out today. I say this often. I see a lot of y'all just like me. Hey, we're in this fourth quarter of life right now. We don't pass that 60, 70 mile mark in years on this earth. We're heading that way. It won't be long. Maybe someone among us this year. Hey, maybe before the end of this year, is going to step on that shore. It's everlasting life. Revelation chapter 21 says, I, John saw the holy sea, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, a city prepared by God himself. And as it's suspending down, he described this new Jerusalem, the eternal habitation of God's people, the church of Jesus Christ, New Testament saints. He said, there's a place where there's no more sorrow, nor death, nor crying, no more pain. Ain't that extravagant? Hallelujah. <laughs> Think about it. What all you have to do to subside your pain today? You don't have to worry about it on that day. What do you have to do to brush your tears away and take the grief out of your heart and your soul? Put the Mary in your step and in your song and your rejoicing. See, on that day, there'll be no more sorrow. Everything you do today is trying to prevent your death coming a little quicker than you desire to come. And you know what? On that day, there'll be no more death, no pain, no sorrow. That's the everlasting life. And sometimes I get under conviction thinking about, boy, that's what I'm looking forward to. If I'm not careful, it's not the place. It's the person. The gift of Jesus Christ being with him forever and ever. The extravagant gift of Jesus Christ, his son. In addition, it's exact. It's just what you need. It's exonerating because it removes the guilt and penalty of sin. It's effective because it has powerful purpose for every person. It's essential because you must have it lest you be doomed and damned to a lake of destruction and fire that's eternal and has no end. Eternally separated from God because you're a sinner. And you have to come to a place of believing on Jesus. It's eternal because it will last forever. And I say this about John 3, 16 in closing. It's the greatest verse in all the Bible. Excuse me. It is. 
John 3.16 is the greatest verse in all the Bible. Not because it's superior to any other verse. It's not because more people on the earth favor that verse or know that verse. That's not why it's the greatest verse. It's popular. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of sinners can quote that verse. <laughs> or because it says it in the Bible, John 3, it's not because of any of those reasons. It's not great because of those things. But it's the greatest verse in the Bible because it has the most greatest things mentioned in one verse than any other verse in the Bible. And you ask me, what are they? You ready? Here we go. For God, the greatest being. I'm going to skip over all my notes here and just give you the slides. So loved the greatest motive. The world, the greatest place and creation that God loves. That he gave, that's the greatest act. His only son, his only begotten son. And there's the greatest gift. That whoever, that's the greatest and largest invitation believes in him that's the greatest decision you will ever make in life shall not perish that's your greatest rescue but shall have everlasting life that's the greatest eternity forever and so can you agree with what paul wrote while being filled with the Spirit to subscribe, write, inscribe these words, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. It's been given. Can you say that you've opened it? Have you received it? And for those who say I've received it, yes, and I've opened it, I want to ask you a question. What have you done with it? What are you doing with it? And what will you do with the greatest gift that's so inexpressible, hard to describe? What will you do with this gift that's been given to you? Can you say today, Romans 8, 1, grace been given to me. It was known, verse 9, demonstrated, verse 19, chapter 9, verse 8, it's abounding in me. And it's upon me, verse 14. And that's why I can agree. It is that gift that I can be thankful for that expresses this inexpressible gift, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Once in a manger a long time ago, before there was a Santa and reindeer and snow, a star shone down on humble beginnings below of a baby just born who the world would soon know. Never before had there been such a sight. Who would the son of king, would the son of a king have to suffer his plight? Are there no armies to lead? Are there no battles to fight? Shouldn't he conquer the world and demand his birthright? No, this frail little infant asleep in the hay would change the whole world with the words he would say. Not about power or demanding his way, but mercy and loving and forgiving God's way. 
For only through humbleness will the battle be won, as shown by the actions of God's only true Son, who gave up his life for the sins of everyone, who saved the whole world when his journey was done. Many years have now passed since that night long ago, and now we have Santa and reindeer and snow, but down in our hearts, the true meaning we know is the birth of that child that makes Christmas so. Long ago, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, to redeem those of us that were stuck under the law. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift.